0: So we're talking about pain this month, and the pain that we experience in life can generally fall into one of two categories. There's pain that we bring on ourselves, and then there's pain that others force and, and inflict on us. As I think about the, the pain that we inflict on ourselves, that's generally because of choices that we make. And as I was thinking about this this, this week, I was reminded of an email I got from a friend like years ago that was, it, it was titled. Uh, why men die earlier than women. And so it had oh, pictures like this. This is classic. Uh, and then the next one. And I, I'm really curious what the guy on the floor is doing there. I'm not sure if he's assembling the table or taking it apart as they're standing up there. I, I, I don't know. Next one. Yeah, this is man versus beast. Not sure how this one ended up. But, uh, and then the last one. This one has it all, okay? So you've got you've got power tools, you've got a ladder, you've got an electric line. Really curious, would love to know uh, how, how this one ended up. So that's the, the pain that we bring on ourselves. I mean, sometimes we just make choices, and, and let's be honest about it. I mean, we just bring things on ourselves, and it's our own fault that, that we have to deal with the, those kind of things. The, the other kind of pain is probably much, much harder for us to take, and that's the pain that, that others force on us, and we are powerless, we're helpless to, to resist that. When someone experiences abuse, there's this very complex challenge that, th- that, that they face. Um, there's, there's oftentimes physical pain that you have to deal with and heal from. There's emotional pain. And then there's relational pain because of whoever that is that, that pushed that, inflicted that on you. You've got to figure out how do I deal with the, the bitterness, the anger, the frustration. Um, so it's just very, very complicated. It's, it's messy. We've been talking about some messy things over, over the last month. Uh, we talked about, uh, sexuality. We talked about, uh, drug abuse. And so this morning we're talking about physical sexual abuse and how do we respond to that. The the series that we're in is called Facing the Pain of Life. Because a lot of times we experience pain and sometimes we'll even bring that pain out and we're not handled really well. And so we learn to just kind of stuff it back down and hide it and, and run from it. But we're learning this month to to respond to our pain and to face our pain from, from someone who is in the hall of faith of of Christ's followers. He was someone who knew what pain is like, and he also knew how to respond to it in faith. And so on, on Easter Sunday, we started this uh, looking in 2 Corinthians, and, and we said that God provides comfort in our pain, not escape from our, our pain. And we saw that in, in 2 Corinthians 1. Which says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted from God, by God. So um, God doesn't deliver us and give us a pass from all the pain in our life, but he does promise to comfort us in all of our affliction. And then last week we looked at the difference between the container and, and the contents. We said that it's more important to give attention to our contents than our container. A lot of times we get preoccupied with our bodies and trying to preserve that, trying to make it last. And and Paul said about that, he said, our bodies, this container, is temporary, he said uh, in Second Corinthians 4, verse 7, we have a treasure in jars of clay. The treasure that we saw last week is the good news of the gospel of Christ, which is that he brings life and light into dark places and he brings transformation to us. So that's the treasure that we have but we carry it in a jar of clay. The container itself is fragile, it's breakable, it's temporary. So he says that because we have a treasure in jars of clay, it shows that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then in verse 16 he says, So we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So when we have the treasure of Christ's life in us, um, our container which is temporary, maybe breaking down, but that's okay, because inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So today we're going we're gonna to hear from someone who experienced uh, abuse firsthand, and it's maybe the most painful kind of abuse I can imagine, because it was perpetrated by members of her family who you would hope in, in a family situation, these are people who are going to protect you mm-hmm. instead of inflicting pain on you but it's a, it's an amazing story because it's a story of how god has brought healing in her life and what he wants to do in each one of our lives as we face face the pain in our life so i'm going to ask you to come Selene. Uh, many of you know Selene because she was part of the grace point family here for 17 years leading bible studies teaching classes leading small groups and then along about the time that I came you moved away and left and so I'm (laughs) going to choose not to take that personally but I know some of you know her story Uh, some of many of you are new and do not know her story so I wanted you to have a chance to hear from her here this morning and so I'm going to turn it over to you And then I'm going to come back up a little bit later and help us think through uh, next steps and how we respond to this. Great.
1: Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you all. It is really such a joy to be back here. It really was our home church for 17 years. And even as I begin, I really want you all to understand, I know, even as I've been asked to share my story today, that I know that everyone here has your own story, and I honor your story. And as I honor your story, I'm also going to be very honoring. Dave had said that it was family friendly family-friendly as something like this can possibly be, but to really honor the tender and the youngest ears in our midst um, is what I want to do. So in that, I just want to share with you just the very first scripture that I am choosing because it really was <laughs> God's word that just so set me free. And this morning, we the song that we sang just before Dave came up was that our God is standing in our midst with the power to heal now and the grace to forgive and it is from that flow of god now the lord is spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit and guys would you just look as i just share my story It says that now where the Lord is spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It doesn't say unless you went through something horrendous. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the only reason I'm even here today is because God proved himself true, that he is always with us, and in him and by him and through him, there is freedom. And so I want to just share with you, I grew up in a family of five children. All of us were born within less than five years of each other. Now, we're going to be sharing about the pain and the hurt that my family inflicted. Now, I'm not saying we were the cause of it, but... I'm sure that having five children in less than five years absolutely exacerbated some of the pain. By the way, if you're wondering, I'm the shorter girl, the really cute one with the pigtails. That's who I am, okay, because I knew you would want to know, yep, that's me. I was about seven years old in that picture. And it was, I just want to share with you that my dad was addicted to alcohol and to narcotics, and my mom, though honestly one of the most brilliant women I have ever known, she was also... A victim of this abuse and an allower and a perpetrator of the abuse that we suffered, and it was—I'm um, uh, using again the, the tender words—the physical abuse that that we um, just that I experienced, my dad would would hurt us with his fist, he would hurt us with his feast. He would actually have us, you can see that we live in a very rural area, we had a lot of property, a river running through our property, lots of woods, beautiful physical area. And my dad would have us go out as little children and get a branch with which he would hurt us. And if that branch was not thick enough or hard enough, didn't meet his specifications to hurt us enough, we would have to go back and get a better branch. It was a very controlling, frightening place just on that physical, the physical level. And again, for those tender ears, the word that I'm going to use is that I was only between three and four years old when my dad truly just stripped every bit of innocence away from me. And I, you understand what I mean by that. I was three years, between three and four years old, and I was just um, in my princess Nighty that night, and I was twirling around one more time. So I ended up being the last one in bed. And uh, the beds for the five children in less than five years at that time, it was three kids on the bottom bunk and two kids on the top. Uh, no assigned places, and I just happened to be the last one in. And it was that night that the innocence of everything um, just was ripped away. And as my dad did what he did, take a breath, my mom actually stood and watched. That was my home. My dad, you see the three brothers there, my dad also taught the brothers how to abuse us girls, which is actually horrendous abuse to them as well. None of us escaped the abuse, and... As we continue growing, my oldest brother, who is the one um, on your, that way, <laughs> with the dark hair, um, on my right, I don't know, is that your right too? Yeah, because, okay, okay, <laughs> with the dark hair, um, my oldest brother actually became um, of just a horrendous and brutal abuser as well. So the fear that I had to deal with just growing up, again, from the time I was just this little tiny one, well, it was that summer, I was seven years old and my parents wanted to find a place where they could send all five of us just for one week, right? Because, and honestly, guys, even if you are the most loving, gentle, Christ-following family, if you've got five children that are all born in less than five years of each other, you deserve a week off too, okay? I'm just saying to you, okay? So my parents found one camp. It was about 20 miles away. There was really nothing. We grew up in a very, very, very rural area. There wasn't any real activities during the summer or anything. It was get on your bike and go. It was go play in the, you know, out, out in the yard, whatever. And my parents, though, found that camp that took all of us. Did you jump to what kind of camp it was? They didn't care, but our God cared very, very much. It was a Christian camp. It was actually called Ontario Bible Camp. It was right on Lake Ontario, uh, way north of Syracuse. um, And it was just this wonderful, Christ-centered camp. And I just so remember so many things were so beautiful about that camp. For one thing, it was the very first time in my life that I had slept in a bed all by myself. And it was also the first time in my life that for a whole week, no one dragged me out of bed. hurt me. My dad also threatened us with guns and knives besides his own body. No one touched me. No one hurt me. There was so much love at this Christian camp and really cool music too. So that was, thank you, Daryl. So that was just so beautiful. And if any of you, if any of you serve the children, whether through uh, vacation Bible school or in the regular Sunday school or anything, thank you because you have no idea. You have no idea the lives that you are touching. I just praise God that even though my parents didn't care, God cared. And in that week, we had chapel in the pastor Every night we had chapel, but I still remember this one night. This chaplain taught from this verse. And I know you all know it, but I want you to hear it the way as a 7-year-old I heard it. And so he was preaching, and he was saying, Now, for God so loved The world, and he just unfolded this love of God that was just incredible, like nothing I had ever heard. And even though, even though I know my four siblings were there and about a hundred other kids, I just felt like that pastor man was talking just to me. Now, I don't think I'm narcissistic, but it was still just what the Spirit of God was doing. For God so loved the world. Oh, my goodness, I want me some of that love. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his only son. Oh, my goodness. God so loved that he gave, my daddy only took. This heavenly Abba, Daddy, God, Father, gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That whoever believes in him, I already knew that I was nothing. I already knew that I was hated, but I knew I was a whoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only Son that whoever... I'm whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I would be able to spend all of my life, way beyond whatever that means, eternity, with an Abba, Daddy, Father, and Jesus, and Spirit, all the one God who loves me. And that pastor man asked, do you believe it? And I, remember, I'm seven years old, but I am the oldest I have ever been at that moment in time. And I raised my hand, and I was signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Yes, Stevie Wonder, get some credit. Thank you, Jesus. All glory be to you. Oh, and I just, I knew that it was real. And at that camp, they gave Bibles to everyone Who had received Jesus and anyone else who asked for them. And I had God's Word and I didn't want to go home. Can you imagine? I did not want to go home because even though I knew that God had changed something up in me, I knew that nothing at home had changed. Now, back then, we had one of those big, long station wagons. You needed it for five kids in less than five years. And you know those back seats that faced out, you know, towards the back? Well, I got in that seat, and I just clung to my Bible. And I purposely chose that seat so I could look at the camp for as long as I possibly could. And I just sensed Abba speaking and saying, Selene, No matter what the hands of others do to you, you are always in my hands. And I just clung to that Bible, and I got home, and down by the river, there was this big flat rock, and I would just go and hang out at that river with my Bible, and it was just Jesus and me just reading and feeling like he was teaching me. Now, we just sang that song, I Believe That You're Here Now, standing in our midst. Well, I don't think I was hallucinating, but I sensed the very Spirit of the living God, just he was the one that was opening the Bible to me. I wasn't in church. I wasn't in Sunday school at all during that time, but I had God's word. And you know what? He had me. And I just, and I know some of you really, really know me. I am the biggest Bible nerd you would ever want to meet because it was God's word that so his love and his word that convinced me oh, that there is healing and there is freedom. Amen. Amen. Wow. So I was back at home. Signed, sealed, delivered, but nothing else had changed. So I'm going to fast forward to five years. So now I'm 12 years old. And now growing up in a family like that, you become a survivor. You really become a survivor. And one of the things I did to survive so I didn't have to ask my parents for a ride was I became a hitchhiker. Okay, guys, just take a breath. I was fully in love with Jesus, fully in love with his word, and I still do stupid things, okay? So hitchhiking is definitely, and I bet you can all say the same thing about yourself, too, is what I'm thinking. Okay, so I was 12 years old. I got to the edge of my driveway, stuck out my thumb, because I wanted to go up to what's called the volunteer fireman field days. It's the only big thing that happens in our very rural town. And it was actually, believe it or not, five years, that same week in July, five years after i had accepted jesus as my savior and so i'm at the edge of my driveway i am standing with my thumb out i get picked up the passenger and the driver end up they are at the field at the beer tent i'm just hanging out about midnight they came kind of wobbling back and they said now we remember where you live so you want us to give you a ride home i'm an idiot um i call it a blurs blessing i am a trusting person First, I am a trusting person when I shouldn't trust. So I said yes. I wasn't taken home. The assault that I experienced at the hands of the passenger while the driver stood guard was far more brutal than anything I had experienced from my father or my brother. I was just absolutely just destroyed in so many, so many ways. And I thought that they would just throw me into the muck farm where they were working, and instead they just threw me back in the car and then they proved that they had been telling the truth. They did take me home and they just threw my my crumpled up little body um, into the driveway. I was able to make it back upstairs, and at this point we live in a house where, uh, we're now in a house, and my Sister is the only one who shares the room with me, but my mom, my dad, my siblings were there and immediately my father just has all my siblings get out and then my mom and dad just made a very wide berth around me and no one, no one asked me what had happened, no one handed me a washcloth, no one gave me a hug and I was in such darkness and I felt an abandonment that I couldn't even imagine. I felt anguish in my soul and it was as this verse says from psalm 118 in my anguish i cried to the lord i'm just going to stop right there for a minute that night in that room, abandoned by everyone, just completely crumpled. I cannot trust my family. I cannot trust my uh, any strangers. There's no reason for me to live. I screamed out to God. And I said, you had better do something, and you better do it fast. I wrote a note out of the determination that I was going to end my life, and it was not going to be hard. I had guns, I had knives, I had narcotics, and I had booze at my disposal. And I also have a very stubborn personality, and I knew I was just done with this life. I wrote that note, and that summer, and I know this is going to be so hard to believe, I became almost mute by choice. I just stopped talking. I had that note in my pocket. I would go down to the river, but I did not take my Bible, and I didn't want to hear from my God unless he was doing something. I kept that note in my pocket every single day. Fast forward to the end of the summer, I am back at the edge of the driveway. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. And what our God planned was he had already rescued me through his salvation and now he is going to open up the path of transformation that continues for all of our life, but he did it in a big way. I'm at the edge of our driveway, ready for the first day of school for eighth grade, and it's not the same bus that it had always been. It wasn't bus 52 anymore, and on that not bus number 52 is this girl named Becky. So many stories about that, but I'm going to skamush it down. Got to know Becky. Her family came into my life. They started taking me to church, and they started taking me to Sunday school, and they started taking me to youth group. And in that youth group that same year came these new youth leaders at this church, and their names were Jack and Raylene, and they loved Jesus, and they loved the Word, and they wanted to open up the Word. Now I'm with other believers. And in that youth group was also this really cute boy. Oh, and I married him in 1980. (laughs) But way before I ever married that really cute boy, um, God wanted to bring his greatest freedom to my life. After the salvation, the greatest freedom. And Raylene understood that there was something going on. 8th grade girls, some of you guys have had 8th grade girls, some of you might be 8th might be grade girls and some of you were 8th grade girls. There. I am a counselor. They are just crazy. Okay? Emotionally crazy. That's all there is to it. Raylene, God gave her an extra bit of discernment to see that something more was going on. And one night after all the other kids had left, I was still hanging out with Raylene and with Jack. Youth leaders, thank you, because we teenagers do not understand that we suck the lifeblood out of you. So thank you for serving God so unselfishly. I never felt pushed out, and I always stayed later than everybody else did, because the youth group was held in their apartment. And that night, Raylene said, Selene, you are hurting so badly. You have got to tell someone. Oh my gosh, guys. And again, I know, even as I said I honor your stories, I know that there are people here that some pieces of my story, they are your story also. And you know then this voice of, don't you tell anyone. And Raylene asked a second time, Selene, you've got to tell someone. Tell me what's hurting you. The third time, Raylene asked to tell her, oh, I told. And it came just spewing up, almost like poison, like vomit, not only telling all of the details that you guys have been spared, but telling the ugliness, the pain, just on and on for three solid hours. I am crying, I am screaming, I am stomping. And also besides what happened, I am telling how much I hate. How much I hate. After three hours, I was exhausted. Just wiped out. But there is Raylene standing there. Tears have gone down her face, but she is standing there. You know that power, that resurrection power that lives inside of us? That's all I can think. That was what held her there in such peace, in such love. Now you have to understand that what I'm going to share with you is how Raylene responded to me is because at that time, way back when, There were no laws on the land for protection of children. There were no mandatory reporters. The humane laws for treatment of animals was on the book, but not for the protection of children. So I want you to understand that reality, okay? So Raylene, though, by the spirit of the living God within her and holding both of us there, her response to my anguish was, now... You forgive. I immediately went mute again. In my head I'm thinking, I have just finally told someone, and this is the answer I get? This is the answer I get? And Raylene stands there with such love, and a third time, obviously time is passing (laughs) as this goes, second time, third time, now you forgive. And the third time she said it, I recognized that it really was. Remember, I had a relationship already with Jesus from the time I was seven years old. It wasn't like this was a new concept. I really loved Jesus. I really loved his word. And so it was able to break through to my heart. And the third time I realized it wasn't just Raylene saying it, but it really was God. And I want to just read to you how I sensed Jesus speaking what his forgiveness is to me. And I ask that you really hear what he's saying. And it actually was God saying to me, now you forgive Selene, not when it doesn't hurt anymore, not when it is any less evil and awful, ugly and sick, hateful and brutal. Sin is and sin always will be evil and awful, ugly and sick, hateful and brutal. Sin will always hurt. Sin will always destroy. But now you forgive, Selene, because I have already died for all you have experienced. I have heard all that you have heard. I have seen All that you have seen, I have already felt all that you have felt. I have already known it all. I know the destructive power of sin, and I have always hated it all, Selene. I hated all the evil choices that others in your life made against you from the time you were just a little girl twirling around in your Princess Nighty. I have always hated sin, and I have always loved you you were tiny and helpless and powerless to their choices then, but you are not any longer. And it is exactly because sin is so evil and awful, ugly and sick, hateful and brutal, that I chose to die through my death. I took on God's full and ang- full anger and his righteous judgment against the evil of sin, and it is through my death. And it is through my eternal and powerful resurrection and through my forgiveness that I have fully conquered all the power of all sin for all time. And now, Selene, you forgive and receive my power. Receive my healing. Receive my freedom for you, for all time. And really what Jesus was saying is, receive my love for you. Receive that no matter how ugly and horribly you were treated, I bled and died for it all, and I love you. I love you, receive the truth that my love is greater than the ugliest and the most brutal. I am never going to ask you to deny it, Selene. I'm never going to ask you to dismiss it. I'm never going to ask you to diminish how ugly and awful it was. But I am asking you to receive my love that can set you free. And that night in the corner with Raylene, I said yes. And the movement towards transformation and freedom and healing just burst in such amazing ways. And this is such a slight bit of the story, I know. And there's so many questions, but I want you to know it really is about God's love. And you know that simple song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God's word just kept saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus loves me, this I know. And then just a few years ago, a friend gave me this plaque. And it says, Jesus knows me, this I love. He knows my broken heart. He knows where it hurts, where I feel stuck. He knows me. And I love this, and I love him, and he is able to set us free. And it is through this knowledge, as Ephesians 3 says, this last scripture, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, all the knowledge of whatever you have been through, that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to God, who is able to do far more abundantly, and all we ask or imagine, all we think according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want us just to take a moment. I just want us to just be in prayer. Just let yourself take a deep breath and quiet And as I pray, and then we're going to just take a moment of your own quiet time with the Lord. Father, God, thank you. Thank you that, Lord, you are able to break through the darkest of dark, and you do that by your love. It was always out of your love that you came to us and keep coming to us and keep offering us freedom and healing transformation and hope jesus thank you lord i just pray for every precious person here lord that you would just be touching their minds and touching their hearts dispelling the fear dispelling the pride god where we need our hearts healed and where we need our anger calmed lord you will never disagree with how ugly sin is you bled and died for it you know how ugly it is and yet lord god you did not stay dead you rose and you conquered and so god let each one of us here know that your love is a conquering love so even now as daryl plays for us just i just want us all just to invite god in to where you need our abba our lord jesus the spirit to be touching you No matter what your past is, remember that God is the great I am and he is indeed standing in our midst and he loves us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Just let yourself hear from God and speak to him. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let us know this love. Let us know your word and your spirit that truly is able to set us free. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, dear.
0: Selene, uh, thank you so very much. Let's thank Selene for coming. Let's thank God. Um, you know, in, in a group this size, uh, very likely, as you mentioned, uh, very likely some of you relate to parts of Selene's story. Perhaps some of you have never faced that pain, have never healed through that pain. We want to help you take a step in that direction today. Let me share with you uh, several resources here. First of all, our, our blog, uh, blog.gracepointpa.org. That's kind of the most anonymous, the safest way. Uh, if you want to start with that. But we have several resources on there, including resources from Selene's ministry, Transformed by Grace, and her book so you can read the, more of her story. And I know, I, I know we just barely got started Stop. with your story yeah. here today, and there's, there's some really great things that come. Reconciliation mm-hmm. with your dad, your brother, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, Everybody. just some, some really wonderful things that we didn't get a chance to, mm-hmm. to touch on here today. But so, so the blog is out there with, with more of that information. Uh, if you are open to praying with someone, our prayer team will be available, uh, our pastoral staff, several people available in here this morning, and then others available in the office, which is out uh, close to our cafe area. So uh, some more privacy in there. And then we, we can help you get connected to counselors through uh, Transformed by Grace. There's some more information about that ministry over here uh, on your way out today. And then there are other uh, counselors in the area that we've networked with as well that we'd be happy to, to point you too. So those are some resources to, to help you begin this journey of transformation that you shared about here this morning. Anything else? So one
1: thing I really want to say, because there, there have been questions like, you know, that, that my uh, youth leader, you know, she answered with God's because of the laws not being on land. The laws are good laws. For child abuse now for mandatory reporters please know that there that those things are in place use them they are here today praise Jesus for that also if there's any of you who feel unsafe in your home whether whether you're a 12 13 year old girl or a guy or whomever but don't be afraid to tell someone help us help you Okay, help us help you. That comes from Jerry Maguire movie, but anyway. Um, And the other, it does help. Help me, help you. (sighs) The other thing I really want to say is that it's really about trusting that God really does love us more than we could ever imagine. As hated as I was treated, it was letting God be God based on His word, based believing His truth more than everything that would ever come at us. Let God be God, let his love be real. And I want to tell you, Dave uh, alluded to that there's so much that did happen, so many amazing things within my family. Well, let me tell you the song that we sang just before I came up and that we're going to sing right now. That in October of 2002, my dad accepted Christ, and in October, I guess God likes October, October 2004, for the first time, my dad was able to be at church in Grace Point with me sitting right over there and this was the song that was sung with that theme part of it with the power to heal now Mm. and the grace to forgive.
0: All right so we're going to sing that in just a moment. Um, I want to just dismiss us uh, with prayer here this morning. Again if you are new to, to Grace Point we have a gift for you that we'd like for you to pick up at our starting place out there. Again the prayer is available, would you stand with me and we will pray and then sing our our way out of here uh, this morning. Um, Father, thank you for Selene, thank you for her story, thank you for your work in her life, your healing work in her and how you've touched so many other lives with the comfort that you brought into her life. She's been able to pass that comfort on to others and even here today, Lord, I pray for courage for those who may be here who have not experienced that healing, who are still stuffing that pain inside. May they face that, that pain. Uh, knowing that your love is there to to bring healing and to catch them. And so, Lord, I pray uh, that you would release us from lies, release us from shame, and bring us into the freedom of of your spirit at work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.